Welcome to the HFS Podcast as a Service. In this edition, we talk with Christine Ferrusi-Ross about her report, the 2016 HFS Blueprint Guide to Emerging Blockchain Services in BFSI. In the report, Christine evaluates the market for blockchain services and the offerings of some early explorer service providers. So let's join the discussion. So Christine, uh, the HFS Blueprint Guide to Emerging Blockchain Services in BFSI is live on hfsresearch.com. Just to start, can you bring me up to speed on blockchain? It's one of those terms that seems to have been launched into the lexicon almost overnight. Yeah, absolutely. So blockchain is a technology that allows companies to create a digital asset, to validate that digital asset, and then to transact with other companies, those digital assets. So it's most commonly thought of in a cryptocurrency environment. So blockchain is the technology that underlines the Bitcoin cryptocurrency. So if you're exchanging money with Bitcoin, you're using blockchain technology underneath that. And so it works as a peer-to-peer network where everyone in the network has a copy of the same database. And so it allows the peers to validate each asset and to validate that that transaction is in fact valid and should be happening because everybody has the same copy of the database. And so as a result of that, the transactions get grouped together into what we call a block. And then once all of the transactions in the block are validated, they get attached to the block that just happened sequentially in front of it. And then that becomes the chain and hence the phrasing blockchain. So you've got this new blueprint guide. Can you walk me through what the blueprint covers and key market dynamics and the service providers? It'd be great to hear all that. Sure. So when we started looking at blockchain, we obviously again, knew that it was related to financial transactions, but it actually can be used for other transactions as well. But we started in financial services because that's where most of the proof of concepts that we found, most of the service provider examples uh, in terms of clients that we found happen to be in banking, financial services, uh, and insurance, um, also, for example, capital markets. So within that sphere, we looked at what kinds of things were happening, and we found some interesting trends. So you'll remember that I was saying that blockchain is about peer-to-peer connections Mm -hmm. because everybody in the network has the same database. What's actually really interesting was when we started to look at the client examples and the end-user banking examples that we could find, they were actually really all still happening within one company. So for example, somebody might hire one of these service providers to do a proof of concept for them, but in fact, it was to connect multiple business units of the same company. They actually weren't really testing it outside their company walls right now. So we found that actually really interesting because again, the whole point of it was to be peer to peer. So we're looking at that as an example of how emergent blockchain really is, is that it's still just in the sandbox inside companies before people start to bring in their trading partners, whether that be customers or suppliers into that. So, and related to that, we're not seeing the same discussion around public blockchain versus private blockchain. You'll remember in cloud environments, we had that discussion all the time. Should you do public cloud, private cloud, hybrid? And because banking is highly regulated and there's a lot of regulation around data tracking and people's identities and and a lot of other pieces of the security, right now, everybody is doing private networks. So that that means that you have to know who the entity is before they join the network. That's in contrast to, for example, the Bitcoin network where anybody can 
open a wallet and therefore be part of this, what they call permissionless or a public network. Right now, what we're seeing in the market is when it comes to enterprise examples, it's all uh, in the private network. So a couple of other things that we found that were really interesting as well, related a little bit to that reason to keep it private is because we're seeing that security and governance and regulatory compliance aren't really keeping up with blockchain. The technology is moving really, really quickly. And the case studies are really starting to take off and proofs of concept are really starting to take off. But there's still so much we don't know about how to regulate the data. So for example, again, within a company, it's probably not that big a deal because if everybody has the same copy of of the database or a copy of the same database, you're all still within the same company and therefore not at risk. But if multiple companies have data and somehow that data is leaked or hacked, or for example, there are fraudulent transactions that are being transversed through the network. Who's responsible? Is everybody responsible just because they have a copy of the data thread or is it not working that way yet? So those are the kinds of questions that are very uh, nitpicky and specific that people haven't really had a chance to answer yet, haven't been able to keep up with the technology. So that's something that we think is really going to take a little while for us to work through as an industry. So if I'm a buyer in this space, what providers should I look at? Yeah, that's a great question. So before we get to specific providers, let's talk a little bit about what you might need from that provider. Because in the primer, we looked at a couple of different major criteria. So one was a provider's ability to execute. So actually do a POC with you, build a blockchain environment for you. And then innovation, can they actually paint a vision for you? Could they help you think of scenarios that maybe you hadn't thought of on your own? So for example, if you were a bank and you know that you wanted to do a know your customer proof of concept with blockchain. So for people who might not be where know your customer just means that if you're a bank, you have to validate the identity of someone before you, for example, give them a loan, give them a mortgage, open a bank account for them. And blockchain would allow you to do that quite a bit faster than traditional methods. So if you knew that you wanted to do something specific like that, you could go to one of the suppliers who are very good on the execution. And so if you looked at IBM or Cognizant, somebody who could show you a lot of prior examples and cases of how they've helped people with something very specific like that. If you were in the situation where you really didn't know, right? Like, I don't know what I want to do with blockchain. Maybe I'm not even sure what if it's feasible for me to use it at all. Maybe I'm not even sure if it's something I want to spend my time on. Then you'd want to spend a little bit more time with a provider that had spent a lot of time thinking through its innovation process as well as creating a vision for you. So For example, NTT Data, TCS have some really good thought leadership around what's possible. Now, you might look at what they're doing and saying, hmm, that's not really applicable to me or, oh, I don't know if I want to do that. But what they've actually done is to at least be able to paint a picture that you can react to. Right. right. Because because as we know that in the services world, that pretty much all of the established providers are pretty good at doing what you ask them to do. But again, that sort of presupposes that you know what to ask them to do. So if you wanted somebody to dream a little bit more with you, then you might want to go for some of those other players. But it is actually also important, having listed a couple of these players, to keep in mind that everybody's still exploring. So for example, in our case, there were a lot of players that we thought were doing really interesting things. But they're just new into the blockchain space, as frankly, most of the industry is. So if you looked at a player like EPAM, which has some really good scenarios for how it's used, and actually also a very good sense of pitfalls, things to worry about, things you'd have to overcome, that's a player that you might want to think about. Capgemini, 
Vertusa Polaris. You know, there were several people in several providers, I should say, in the evaluation that we looked at that we liked. And I think it's easy when you look at a grid to say, oh, the people in the lower left aren't as good as the people in the upper right. But the market's moving so quickly that honestly, I think, you know, even though this report just got published, I think if I were to redo it in December, we'd see a lot of shifting because it's so new. People are doing so many new projects right now that the market's so dynamic. We'll see a lot of shifting over the next few months. Yeah. That, so, so to kind of wrap up, let's think about where where is the market going and what are you going to be watching over the next few months to six months in the market and the kind of developments you expect to see? Yeah, so I think we're going to look for a few specific things. So we're going to be looking for cross-company examples. So again, I mentioned earlier that right now we're seeing just intra-company examples. Now we're going to start looking for inter-company examples. We're going to start looking for more evidence that the regulations and the guidelines and standards, frankly, governing a lot of the way that blockchain works to see if those are evolving and, and keeping pace. We're going to be seeing companies move from proof of concept to more operational engagements. Right now, one of the strong things that we found was that everybody's still experimenting, right? They're still testing and trying it out and seeing if it can work. So over the next six months or so, we're actually expecting that some of those POCs will evolve and mature into full-scale implementation. So that's going to be something really exciting to watch. And then, of course, you can't forget about security. And so it's been in the news recently that blockchain has been hit with denial of service attack. So the blockchain or a blockchain in and of itself is very difficult to hack. Since everybody's got a copy of the same data and database, you'd have to hack everybody at once. You can't just change one database. Everything has to change at once or the system will recognize that it's fraudulent. So while it's very difficult to hack into a chain, it's actually very easy to hack at the edges of the chain. So for example, you could hack somebody's access into it, somebody's ability to make a transaction. So the transaction would look correct because, you know, it's coming from a valid ID and it's, you know, validated the same way, but that person has been hacked or that entity has been hacked. And so how we think about securing blockchain technology, while it's far ahead of what a lot of other technologies are capable of in terms of preventing and mitigating against attacks, the security threat is always rising and the threat actors in the security space are always getting smarter. So we're going to be taking a very close look at the interplay between uh, security and blockchain as well. Thanks, Christine. The HFS Blueprint Guide to Emerging Blockchain Services in BFSI is available now at hfsresearch.com, where you can also browse and download most of our research for free. Thanks for joining us on the HFS Podcast as a Service.